0: So this morning starts our first Sunday into a new series on Galatians. So we're going to be walking through Galatians. And, and let, me, let me share my heart with you about why I chose Galatians specifically. The reason is this, is that as I have, as I have talked with many of you, one of, the, one of the themes that has come out in some of these conversations is that so many people in our church and in our community have come out of a background of legalism right and and it was well you have to read this translation of the bible and you have to dress this way and you have to do these certain things or you're not a member of the church or you're not a you know they 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 lay all these laws they lay all these rules on top of god's grace but that's not what the bible teaches the bible teaches that grace plus anything is not the gospel The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is that we are saved by grace, through faith, in Christ. Anything else is heresy. (coughs) That's not a fun word, is it? Heresy. Um, But I use it quite frequently. Um, So when we talk about when we talk about what's right and what's wrong and in in, in the way that we believe and the way that we live out our faith and the way that we live out the gospel, this is one of those areas where I hope that as we walk through this series, as we walk through uh, this book, that you guys, that, that you and I both, that we experience freedom in Christ. Freedom to, not freedom to sin, right, but freedom to Love to serve, and to honor and glorify our God and King, Jesus Christ. So, that was the, that's the, the reason behind why I chose Galatians. Some things that you need to know about the Galatians, about the church in Galatia. <coughs> um, a couple of things. The, the reason that Paul is writing this letter, notice, uh, let me read the first five verses and then we'll jump right into it. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So when we talk about this, Paul is writing this letter. The author of this book is Paul, the apostle. Paul is writing this book to the churches of Galatia. Notice that in most of the other books that Paul writes to the church of this or the church of this. In this particular book, he's writing to the churches multiple of Galatia. So you had probably a lot of house churches, a lot of smaller house churches that Paul is writing to. Paul had spent plenty of time in Galatia, sharing the gospel, uh, launching these churches, planting these churches, if you want to use that vernacular. But as he did, here come this group of Judaizers, right? Judaizers were a group of believers. They, They believed in Jesus Christ. They believed that he was the Messiah. But they came out of judaism right they came out of they were jews and so what they did was they said yes jesus christ is the messiah but you who are gentile you need to become a jew in order to really be a christian so what they were really saying is you need to follow the law you need to follow the kosher law oh and by the way you need to get circumcised right that's not a small request right you know um, and so, so as, as, as he's dealing with this, he says he says you have to do all these other things in order to really be saved. Well, that's where Paul is saying he's going to really address that when he addresses the church. He's going to say, why in the world, why in the world would you abandon the freedom and the grace that comes through Jesus Christ that I preach to you in order to do these other things? You have enslaved yourself to these other things. So that's going to be a common thing that I want you to look for. So in his, in his opening remarks, in his opening to the book, not only does he introduce himself, he says why that's important, who he is and how he got to where he is, but then he's going to lay out the, the unadulterated gospel. The clear, the clear message of salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So for you, and for me, as we go through this passage today, as we go through this whole book, I want us to look for areas where, I want us to be conscious and, and sensitive to the fact that maybe there are areas in our life where we have been imprisoned by legalism. Maybe it's, the, it's, it's, it's legalism that was pushed on us by other people. By, maybe it was legalism that we grew up in. Maybe it was a previous church that you attended. Maybe it was this church. Maybe it's self-imposed legalism. So I want you to, there's nothing wrong with having standards. There's nothing wrong with with, uh, striving to be the disciple that God's called you to be. But when you try to do it in your own power, in your own ability, and you are the focus, it's no longer the gospel. Right? So let's follow, follow with me on this. So, Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. Paul, an apostle, called by God, not by man. So Paul is essentially saying, like, listen, out of all the apostles, out of all the other guys, I wasn't called, just like those other apostles weren't called by men. He's stating, my credentials come from God. My calling, my authority comes from God. So when I state the good news of Jesus Christ to you, it's not based on earthly wisdom. It's not based on the new Oprah book. It's not based on what's popular on Facebook. It's based solely on the call of God on his life. And so when I preach this same message, when I will preach this same message to you who sit in the pews, it's not by my authority. It's because it's the Word of God. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is the Word of God. And let me tell you, it flies directly in the face with Oprah's new book and Facebook and everything else that goes on in our society and culture. But all those other things cannot save you. But the good news of Jesus Christ can save you from your sins. And that's what we have to hold on to. That's what we need to grasp and and love and absolutely pursue so when we talk about this so paul knows his role paul an apostle by jesus christ not by man so let me let me ask you this we know paul's role what's your role what I mean by that is this, is Paul knew his title, he knew his calling, he knew what he was called to be and who he was called to be. But in a, in a, in a smaller version, in a, in, a, in a more unique version to you, what is your calling? Who are you called to be in Christ? Because your identity, your identity that is found in Jesus Christ is the source for why you can speak with boldness and power and love, and grace, it's not based on your own ability, but it's based upon who God has said you are. This is why this is important, because God has called every single one of us, not only to salvation, but he's placed a calling on your life. And let me say this too, when we say calling, when I say calling, what I am not talking about, I do not mean that a light shone down from heaven, and that a voice audibly said to you, You need to get on a plane and fly to Africa. Find the first dirt road you see. Go down that dirt road, you're going to find a man in a hut named Tic Tac. You're going to share the gospel with Tic Tac. He's going to get saved, and so will all of Africa. That's what we have a tendency to think about when we say, say, my calling is this. I don't know my calling, right? Maybe I missed it. I had sunglasses on, you know? Maybe I missed it. I had my ear pods in my ear. You know, so, so we, we, we miss things, right, and we think, okay, well, I've missed my calling. Your calling is, del- is intrinsically designed in how God made you, your personality, your likes, your dislikes, your strengths, your weaknesses, what you're passionate about. God has wired you a certain way and called you to be, uh, to fill a gap. God has called you to serve a purpose, right? Ain't everybody called to preach, right? ain't everybody called to sing amen Amen. that's right if you said amen you're exempt from the choir if God hasn't called everybody to you know it's funny how I've seen I've seen people say hey I'm going to go talk to so-and-so I really like them I'm going to talk to them about serving in connect ministry and I'm thinking they're an introvert and they're going to hate you right They, they like you they don't like everybody you know and so not everybody's called to do everything. Not everybody's a good fit for everything. You don't want me working on your computer, right? Not my gift. There's a good chance something will blow up. Um so, that being the case, you need to figure out, you need to figure out who God has called you to be. Paul is secure in his identity. And this is important because each of us has a ministry Each of us has a purpose. Each of us has a calling in life. And so, as we go out and serve and live and do all these other things, we need to rest secure not in who the world says we are, not your job title, not any of the other hats that you wear, but who does God say that you are? Who does your Creator say that you are? Paul, an apostle, called by God, not by men. God doesn't choose the best and the brightest, but the faithful. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I don't know where I'd be if he didn't. (laughs) But God doesn't choose the best and the brightest. He chooses the faithful. And we see this repeated over and over and over and over again in Scripture, that it's not the most articulate. It's not the best looking. It's not the, the smartest guy in the group. It's the guy that was faithful to what God had called them to do and who God had called them to be. So for you, when I say calling and what's your calling and how has God called you and, and how has God said who you are, here's the benefit from that. You don't have to have a bunch of fancy degrees. There's nothing in this word, there's nothing in this book that says you have to go to seminary to preach the gospel. There is nothing in this word that says that you have to look a certain way, praise the Lord, to to be able to preach the gospel. There is nothing in this word that says that you have to dress a certain way to preach the gospel. There is nothing in this word that defines all those things. So here's my point. Stay with me on this. You can be the ugliest, slowest man in the room. But if God has called you to preach the gospel, it's your duty to be faithful. That's it. It's just to be faithful. Because the reality is, is that, let me, let me say this. Back in the day when I was in seminary, I was a salesman. Believe it or not, right? I was a salesman. I could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. You know what I mean? I mean, I was slick, y'all. I'm not kidding you. Daddy made bank, you know? I was, I was doing good. And it would be an absolute travesty, it would be absolute travesty if I manipulated you into following Jesus. It would be absolutely horrible if I, used, if I used those psychological tricks and those other things that I know how to do to manipulate you to do something that God hasn't called you to do. But you know what the coolest thing in the world is? Is when I stand up here and preach the good news of Jesus Christ, I'm not worried about how well I do. Because it all depends upon the Holy Spirit at work in your heart. It all all hinges on God. So whether I fail or succeed, have I been faithful in my duties? Have I been faithful in preparing? Have I been faithful in delivering the message? And have you been faithful to respond as the Holy Spirit leads you? Right? That's my call. That's what I do. What do you do? Who has God called you to be? Because you know what, for the longest time, I was embarrassed to call myself a preacher. Not because, not because I thought it, preaching was embarrassing, but it's because I thought I wasn't good enough. Because I knew my past. I knew where I came from. And I knew that if I said I was a pastor or a preacher, I would have, I would have haters that say, How are you going to preach? I know what you used to do. How are you going to lead people to Jesus? I know what you used to do. I knew where you used to run. I knew the circles you ran in. I know stories about you. Well, brother, if you know stories about who I was, then you better stay around for the second act. So let me tell you, who does your father, who does your heavenly creator, who does he say that you are and who has he made you in to be? Because the message that Paul is about to proclaim in this passage, it's not about Paul at all, but he has the authority to proclaim this message. He has the authority to proclaim this message because of who God said he is. So, Paul, an apostle, Not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with him. That's basically when he says all the brothers who are with him are with me, that's basically him saying the guys who've got my back, right? He's like, now I've got God and I've got Jesus and they're the ones who told me I'm an apostle, but also all the brothers who are with me. In other words, the people who have affirmed my calling. So let me also say this as a little side note completely free. If you are being called, there are other people who have noticed God's hand on your life. If you you have a giftedness to work with kids, there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who have seen that gift. If you are called to work with teenagers, or if you're called to work with veterans, or if you're called to work with whoever, there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who see that giftedness in you, who see God's hand on you, and they can affirm that. That's all Paul's saying right here. He says, and the brothers who are with me, those who affirm that call. To the churches of Galatia, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. The message. Grace and peace. Grace and peace to you. We talk about grace. Grace is that thing that says you are forgiven in spite of what you've done. The penalty of your sins is removed. And the reward that was not due you is yours. Every single one of us has sinned, right? So every single one of us has sinned, and the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we also know from Romans 6, that was Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of sin is death, but God's grace. So because all of us have sinned, the wages, what we have earned through our sin is death. We all deserve death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So while we deserve death, while we deserve hell, while we deserve an eternal punishment, because of the blood that Jesus Christ spilt on the cross, we get grace. We get forgiveness. We get eternal life. And so that is grace and then peace. Grace and peace. Peace is not the absence of frustration. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Christ. So it's not, it's not when everything's, you know, when, when all the fights are over. It's not when all the hurt feelings are dealt with. It's when we as believers who are called by his name, who are redeemed by his blood, are in his presence, there is peace. And so for us, it's a matter of grace. In other words, grace, God's forgiveness, God's blessings, God's mercy poured out on you. And peace, the presence of Christ himself for you. What a great thing to pray for somebody. From the Father and the Son. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Grace and peace to you from the Father and the Son, who gave himself for us. So he's laying it out really clearly. So think about it this contextually. So Paul's writing to a group of people who have heard the gospel, who have responded to the gospel, and now this other group has come in and said, okay, you're saved, but you're not really saved. You've got to do all these other things to really be saved, right? So now you've got to do all these other things like get circumcised, and then you can really be a part of the church. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus gave himself for us. God in the flesh gave himself for us. How dare any man add to that story? No man can add to that story. No man can come back to you and say, well, you need to do these other things as well. Nobody can come to you and say, it's not complete. No one, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and repented of your sins... No one can come to you and say your salvation is not complete. And it does not matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your history, it doesn't matter what your story was. No one can tell you that Jesus' work on your behalf was not complete. So we, who are brothers and sisters in Christ, can rest secure in the work of Jesus. Not in your own work, because you didn't earn it. Not in in your work because you were good enough or because you've done plenty of good things since you got saved. That's great. But we rest secure in our salvation because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for us. That's it. I would much rather my salvation be because of what he did than what I tried to do. And so... When we talk about this idea, God gave Himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave Himself for our sins. For our sins. Not for our delight, not for our amusement. Jesus died on that cross for your sins. It was so that we could be forgiven. Also, when when we talk about when Jesus says on the cross, um, it is finished, to tell us that, it is finished. That is in the perfect Greek tense, which means that it is finished, it will always be finished. So just because you're, let, let me tell you this, brother and sister, if you sin today, which you probably did, if you sin today, you're forgiven. That doesn't mean that we take sin lightly, but that means that we're not condemned by it. That means that we have all the more reason, all the more expectation for us to rise above and and to not be beaten down by sin or by the accuser, but we get up, we dust ourselves off, and we move forward, right? Some of you this morning have been beaten up by life, circumstances, and even some of the dumb things you've done. I know that, I've been there. And so maybe this morning, before you dust yourself off, maybe you need to come get on your knees one more time. Maybe you need to get on your knees and bow in and, 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 and honor and adoration and submission to your Savior and say, I have failed you, God, but you are faithful. Where I have failed, you are faithful. And so we bow our knees in submission and in failure, in confession of our failures but we rise as champions, not based upon our own abilities, but because of what the true champion Jesus Christ accomplished for us. We will always win, not because of what we've done, but because he's already won. So this morning, maybe that's you, because let me say this, not only did he give himself for our sins to rescue us, that was the purpose, was to rescue us from this present evil age, you know they had a. They, it was pretty evil back then too, right? Let me tell you, brothers and sisters. Every generation that I talk to, every, every every group of people that I talk to about how bad things are, right, and how bad our political landscape is, and and how bad our our politicians and yada yada yada. You know what? Every every generation that I've ever talked to has said the same thing, right? There are always people who are morons. There are always people who serve in in office that are not smart people. There are always people who have evil intent. There are always people who do bad things. Let me also say, there are always people who need Jesus. Ergo, we as messengers of Jesus Christ, as ambassadors laid out in 2 Corinthians 5, we need to take the good news of Jesus Christ to people. We don't need to worry about this sinful age, this evil age, because Jesus gave himself to rescue us from the present evil age, that we can rise above it no matter what our circumstance, no matter what our political landscape, no matter war or famine or, or wildfires or whatever. No matter any of that, Jesus is bigger because this is temporal. What he did is eternal. And so for us, we can rise above. According to the will of our God and Father, it's all in God's sovereign plan. It's all in who God has called us to be. It comes back to what God desires and designed us to be. The way that God has gifted you and crafted you for His glory. The question, the question isn't if you're gifted. The question is, are you faithful? The question isn't, are you called? It's, are you faithful? Are you obedient to what he's called you to be? I'm not going to preach the whole first point over again, but you know where I'm going with that. And then I love this. I I love it. Verse 5. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I heard David Platt talking. David Platt this big pastor up in D.C., um, I knew David back in New Orleans and seminary and all this other stuff. And I heard David talking about how he was, he was doing this uh, missions work in China. And he was in this house. And they were wanting him to teach from like 9 o'clock in the morning until like 9 o'clock at night. And he said, well, what do you want me to teach? And they just said, the Bible, you know. And, and and he got in there and he started teaching and he said he would get to a point where he's teaching and they're just writing. They're just writing. Let me just say, future notice, I noticed that none of y'all taking notes. But he, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, note takers, my apologies. Y'all are doing great. I'm sorry that I offended you. I also noticed that was mostly ladies. So, um, sorry, Steve. Um, so, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to remove my foot real quick. Um, but as these guys, are, man, they're just writing down everything this cat is saying. They are so into it, to his teaching, they are just soaking it up. And they would get to this point, they would get to this point where these Chinese brothers and sisters in Christ who were hearing the word and soaking it up like a sponge, there was a point where they just broke out in song. They were creating their own worship albums. They were creating their own hymnal. Because God is worthy. He is worthy of our love. He is worthy of our worship and our praise. And when we hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and we who have been redeemed, there should be a wellspring of joy that comes up in us, that erupts in praise. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I, was, I remember as a kid, I would go to this, this First Baptist Church, Hillsboro beautiful church beautiful church and they had all the hardwoods and the big organ and and all the brass stuff and like and i'd sit up there and they would end every service praise god from whom all blessings flow and it was and it was like and it was like it was acapella right and there's always that one guy right that's just way anyway um, it would have sounded really good if they'd have kicked him out. But as as they sang this song and the voices came together, I wondered. I wondered in that moment, and now reflecting back, I wonder even more. Where was the joy? I mean, When Paul writes to God be the glory and forever and ever, amen, it is a doxology, it is a, it is a pronunciation, a proclamation of God's glory forever and ever, amen, because of what he did for us on the cross. For you and I, who have been redeemed, have you gotten over the gospel? Have we gotten over the good news? Have we, have we, is grace just not a new thing for us anymore? Where is that passion and that boldness and the proclamation to God be the glory forever and ever, amen. You've been called, redeemed, renewed for His glory, according to His will. To God be the glory forever and ever, amen. This morning, I want to invite you to respond as our our band comes up and they get ready to to do their thing I want to I want to invite you to respond and and yeah you can go ahead and come on up that's fine um this morning I, I want you to take take note of of who you are where you are Who has God called you to be? And are you being faithful to that call? Have you added anything to the gospel? Has anyone else imposed anything on top of your belief system? Have they enslaved you to something other than the gospel? And has the gospel just become old news to you? This morning, I think there are those of us in this room, and maybe all of us in this room, who have taken note of our our failures and our faults and the things that we need forgiveness for. And this morning, maybe we need to come and and bow the knee in submission to God and rise as champions for the gospel. That we can go out of those doors into a lost and dying world and share the good news of Jesus Christ with people and see people get saved and see their lives turned around and see His name proclaimed and His kingdom expanded for His name's sake, because it's all about Him. So this morning, the invitation is twofold. One, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you're not saved, if you don't know whether or not you'd make it to heaven if you died right now, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about about starting a new life in Christ. Just come talk to me. And maybe... Maybe this morning you would register the other way. like You've got that burden, you've got that baggage, the guilt, the shame, all those things that come along with sin, and you're a believer, you're a follower of Jesus, but you're just carrying this stuff, and you need to come leave it at the altar. You need to bow your knee in submission, and you need to rise a champion so that we can get busy about our Father's business. I want you to respond as the Holy Spirit leads. I'm going to pray for us, and the band's going to play. And you respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. Dear Jesus.